0: This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey, guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. Rolling into week six of the Tariel football season as the Tariels get ready to welcome in the Florida State Seminoles, a team that Mac Brown is 0 10 against in his career. It's also his alma mater, so this is going to be a big weekend for Mac Brown. He's also going to honor late coach Bobby Bowden. We'll tell you a little bit about that later on in the closing notes. We're going to run you through. Uh, Some of the top storylines here in just a second around Carolina football. Give you a game preview, let you know about the history of the series, get to know the opponent, and then we'll also give you some keys to the game and our official predictions. But as we said, we'll begin with some of those top storylines. No real major injury updates. Hmm. I guess at this point, you're probably still assuming that. Uh, Caleb Hood's going to be questionable. Uh, he did not go through warmups the other day, uh, did not play in the game, so not really sure on what the status is with him in terms of his upper body injury. Uh, Storm Duck... Honestly, no clue. He's going to be one of those guys that probably every week going forward, you're going to have to look at the injury report really before the game starts and see if he's a guy that's going through warm-ups, or if he's not, if you're at the game, keep an eye out for him. But as of right now, uh, no updates on that front. And same thing with some of the long-term guys. Bo Corrales, at this point, I think, again, still just – kind of holding out hope that maybe he comes back to close out the year, um, but you never really know. This could be a situation where we could see Bo Corrales potentially back next year with another red shirt <laughs> year for him. Uh, but uh, other than that, I think the other real big storyline, listening to Mac Brown, listening to some of the other press conferences throughout the week, he talked – Mac Brown specifically talked about the center position – And one thing that was interesting is that he did say Caden Baker is going to continue to take reps there uh, and will be an option with both uh, Brian Anderson and Kieran Johnson being banged up. He did say that Kieran Johnson and Brian Anderson both have been banged up the entire season. That was somewhat interesting to note. Uh, More so with Kieran Johnson, I think we knew that Brian Anderson had been banged up for the entirety of the season after he suffered an injury just prior to the start of fall camp. I don't think that we really knew Kieran Johnson had been fighting through injury stuff all season. Uh, He said that he was actually they were hoping not to have to use Kieran Johnson on Saturday against Duke. That's why Caden Baker started and that's why we saw Brian Anderson after him, Mm -hmm. but they felt like they pretty much had no choice. They had to go to him because they needed to win that game. It worked out pretty well. Kieran Johnson played well in that game, but Mac Brown did say that they are going to try to get Caden Baker ready to go at center and that he is going to be an option going forward. He could also be the future at that position, uh, which is up and... Which is, you know, a question mark as of right now uh, with the potential that both Brian Anderson and Kieran Johnson could be gone after the season. So I I thought that was interesting. He didn't really mention a whole lot of other stuff on the offensive line in terms of some of the moves that they could make, Uh, but I think you know he he once again said that uh, you know he he said there was a lot of blame that goes on these guys. They definitely have a tough job, but I think at this point there's there's got to be some sort of solution to. Just get this group back to even where they were a year ago. I don't know what that solution is, but I mean, at, at this point, I mean, is Caden Baker somebody they've got to take a serious look at at center if that's going to help them improve?
1: Uh, yeah, um, and I think it's it, it sucks that injuries kind of forced them to start taking a harder look at some of these other guys. But as we address when we we recap the Duke game, I mean, outside of Joshua Zudu and you know Marcus McKeith has been pretty solid right there at right guard everybody's should be up to be evaluated and if you feel like X, Y, or Z on the bench gives you a better chance to win, meaning win up front and your front your fits and your pass blocks, of course, help this offense. I think you got to take a hard look at it because this offensive line, despite all the experience, isn't producing the way you expected it to do entering the season.
0: Yeah, I've already said it. I think both of the guys that have pretty much been your longtime starters at tackle, I think you've got to take a look there at replacing both of those guys. Um, I-, I looked at the pro football focus numbers again yesterday. I can't believe how highly rated they have Jordan Tucker. I, I must be watching a completely different game than what they are seeing uh, because I just do not think he has had that good of a year. They, they have him graded out, I believe, as the highest rated player for Carolina and the best pass protector for Carolina. And I have not seen that this season. Now, I think clearly the reason that center's being brought up, that's been the biggest weakness with, with this line. And they've got to get that figured out because Florida State's a team that can take advantage of that. They have some very good defensive linemen and they have a, you know a couple of defensive tackles inside that could cause them issues, so I, I, they've got to find some sort of solutions up front. I'm willing to try to start some of these other guys and see what happens. They started some different guys in that game against Virginia, and that was the best that this offense has been. Why not try it again, even if it's going to get some guys' feathers a little ruffled? I, I think at this point, you've You've got to value winning over guys' feelings, and I just don't know if that is what is going on right now with Stacey Searles and the staff.
1: Yeah, um, I don't care about feelings. You don't get in this business to care about feelings. This is a result-driven business. I don't think Mac Brown came out of TV to care about Kids and how they feel. He came back because that desire to win football games at a high level was still there, and he can still do that. Mm -hmm. But these are the things that you got to do to do that. You think the great programs? You think Nick Saban, Davo Sweeney, Ryan Day, and those guys are giving a flip about how a guy feels if they get benched? No, because they want to win football games and compete. Ryan
0: Day doesn't. He had a guy quit on him mid game, so clearly he doesn't care. So that that's that's just part of it,
1: right? But the thing about Mac Brown is he's such a great people person that you feel like he's able to navigate or should be able to navigate making these hard decisions and he's been very open. The transfer portal is a, is a thing now. He's been open all year that they were going to help people go to the portal to find a better option for them and so if that happens you feel like you be comfortable doing He that. He
0: did also bring up that he is not ruling out going to the transfer portal to get a center next year. You shouldn't. That's an no. area that they've struggled at mightily they have two guys that could be gone after the season and there's really not that clear answer behind those two guys going into next year so I think not uh, to me not only should he look there I'm going to be honest with you I think you're starting to see that Carolina has done a good job at recruiting a lot of different areas and look they've got talent coming. Eli Sutton, Diego Pounds are true freshmen that are four-star prospects, and they could get there. But right now, the guys that are there, I think it's showing that some carryover from Larry Fedora, but also some of the early Mac Brown era under Stacy Searles, they just haven't recruited the guys that they need to to take the steps they have to to win games in the ACC.
1: Yeah, you name me an offensive line that's ever been worth a flip with a, without a good center. It, it's literally never happened. You got to have a good center. They're the ones that call the protections. They're the ones that make the changes at mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage. Carolina is lacking in that department. It's a big reason why they have struggled to keep Sam Howell. Upright. It's a big reason why they haven't created the amount of push up front that they that they produced last year. Javante Williams and Michael Carter, did they break a lot of tackles? Yes, they did and they're really good at doing that. As we're seeing in the NFL. But there are also much more bigger holes I sure for those guys to run through. They're no getting doubt. hit no until doubt. the second level. That's not happening as frequent this year and when it does happen, look at that Virginia game. This offense can drop 60 on any team in the ACC. Right. So and we're not just-
0: even asking it to be that good. We're not asking for every game you run for almost 400 yards. That's not going to happen. Can we get 200? some something like that. I mean, I said in the preseason
1: 150 yards. Right now they're averaging 187, so they're exceeding my expectation what I thought. Now I thought the passing game was what, was going to be much more explosive and more dynamic. It it's, it's got jas- Josh Downs and that's about it, but we need more
0: from the running game
1: because the passing game has been inconsistent at times this season.
0: Well, here's the other thing with this before we move on and focus a little bit on Florida State here. Mac Brown quoted it as a big play or no play offense that's the worst type of offense to be Seriously, I, I mean it's I mean look there have been results for Carolina it's worked out in some games Virginia it's worked out well for you Duke it worked out well for you at times offensively but you need to be more consistent on the offensive side of the football because look I, I'm, I'm not gonna no the, the worst offense to be is no big plays No play. Well, that's not an offense. I mean, and there are offenses. I mean, look at Clemson's right now. That's that's the type of offense that you want to avoid. Carolina hasn't been that bad offensively. Now, they've let up more pressure, but they've got a quarterback that's made throws. They've got a guy in Josh Downs who's made plays, and they've had some other guys who at times have stepped up and made plays as well. But you've got to be a more consistent team moving the football, especially if you want to win some of these games later on in your schedule here. When you play – I mean, look, we we were talking about this stretch of the season that they're going through now – as being the most important stretch. I think Notre Dame's still in that stretch, but I think it's now turned into Notre Dame, Wake Forest, and Pittsburgh as the most important stretch of the season that you have to win. And if they're going to win those games, especially those final two games, with the way that those offenses are playing they are going to have to put up points. And it's on this offense to get it figured out and find a way to be able to be competitive offensively in those games.
1: Yeah, this stretch, I mean, it's it's about winning. Um, if Carolina doesn't win, then it doesn't really matter what you do against Notre Dame, Pitt, Wake Forest. Remi- reminder that the Wake Forest game is not an ACC game <laughs> this season.
0: Yeah, that, last one of those, guys. Um,
1: you know, right now it's about getting confidence back in themselves. You get that confidence by winning, but, you know, they've, they've got to turn this thing around because those three games, there's a still good chance the Coastal could be up for grabs. Now, granted, the Notre Dame and Wake Forest games aren't ACC games, but if you can be competitive and win those games, it makes it more believable you can go to Pittsburgh, a place where historically you've been pretty good at under Larry Fedora. You're 0 1 under Mac Brown, where you could go win that game, which could be the Coastal
0: tiebreaker at the time. Yeah, and you lost that game in overtime, too, the last time that you played Pittsburgh. So you can't. Came close to winning that game. It's not like he got blown out by that team. But this year, the way that team's playing right now, uh, you you never really know. Especially with the fact that they have one of the best defensive lines uh, that that we'll be able to get after Sam Howell. Another team that has one of those great defensive lines is Florida State. Let's take a look at this game. Carolina, Florida State. 21st meeting between the two teams. Florida State owns the 16-3 to one edge in the series. The last meeting was last year in Tallahassee, a 31-28 loss for the Tar Heels. They had won the prior two meetings between the two teams. Interestingly enough, this is the first time since 2009 that Florida State will have to travel to Keenan Stadium. The last three meetings between the Tar Heels and Seminoles were all down in Doe Campbell in Tallahassee. The Tar Heels have only won one game against the Seminoles we in Keenan Stadium in the series history. This is a tough one. This is one that has eluded Mac Brown for a long, long time. But here's the thing he's no longer coaching against Bobby Bowden. Last year was definitely a letdown, but you're hoping that that was mainly due to the fact that Carolina was on the road as a top five team, which, as Mac Brown has said many times before, he knew going into that game that that team was not a top five team. He did kind of let on today uh, in his press conference that. He knew that, but he said that it was tricky to sort of tell them. He did mention that, look, guys, not a lot of other teams are playing, but he said at the same time I didn't want to go into the locker room and basically tell them you're not the top five team because you're not good. Um, They were good to start out the year, but this is a different game for Carolina. I feel like the players are going to know about the stat of 0-10 for Mac Brown against Florida State. This is a Florida State team that definitely still feels gettable. I mean, look, they picked up their first win of the season last week against Syracuse, but they still won 33 to 30 and still didn't look great defensively. This is a game that Carolina should win, and I feel like they definitely have a great opportunity to do so on Saturday.
1: You're not the only one that thinks that the ESPN Football Power Index, if you put any stock in that, if you round the number up, they give Carolina an 89% chance to win this football game. Let's be point blank and simple. This game got scheduled because of Mac Brown's history with Florida State. They wanted to kind of make that a thing. Um, and they also thought Florida State was going to be much better this year. I thought that as well. That hasn't been the case. They lost in heartbreaking fashion to Notre Dame. They thought that was the uh, – we thought was going to be the turning point for them. They turned around the next week, lost at home to Jacksonville State on the final play of the game. Mike Norvell's entering the same situation he entered last year. He needs a big-time win to save his job. He needs to prove something to the Florida State administration that he is the right guy to turn this once-proud program back around. He did that last year against Carolina. But as you mentioned, in Tallahassee, it was at night. And as we've seen in our history of watching college football, Doe Campbell at night. Weird things can happen. Magic can happen. It happened that night. They're getting a lot of magic this week if they want to come in to Kenan Stadium and beat Carolina because if Carolina was to lose this game, this would be more disappointing than that Virginia Tech loss and more disappointing than that Georgia Tech loss. This is a game Carolina should win and should win rather comfortably.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think that this is – the best chance that Mac Brown is, is going to have when facing this team because Florida State is nowhere near the teams that we've seen before. I don't even think they're as good as they were last year. and That's That's, re- that's really saying something. They are having just a horrendous year. Um, and again, I mean, look, Syracuse could be a team that, I mean, they, they beat Liberty, but I'm not putting much stock into that win for Florida State. Uh, but Carolina still needs to take this team seriously. It's a team that the program as a whole has not played well against. So so Those types of teams, they've struggled against so far this year. Uh, both of the teams that they've lost to so far this year, they had losing records against as a program, so they need to take that seriously in this game, but as you mentioned, it's at home for Carolina. They're 11-4 since Mac Brown has been there, and they've had a lot of dominant performances. Two, they, they have two losses to two teams ranked inside the top uh, five of the country, so Carolina, I think, in this game should come in pretty confident, but they still need to make sure that they take this team. Seriously, when you look at Florida State, let's get to know the 2021 Florida State team. Offensively, not great numbers, but definitely some areas where you can see some signs of of them progressing a little bit under Mike Norvell. Mainly in the run game, they're averaging 200.6 rushing yards per game. uh, 25 uh, points per game so far this season offensively, but just 383.8 total yards of offense because they're only throwing the football for 183.8 yards per game. Uh, When you look at the defensive numbers, not great by any stretch of the imagination. 31.4 points per game allowed so far this year. 409.8 total yards per game. 256.2 yards per game through the air allowed and 153.6 rushing yards per game as I mentioned picked up their first win of the season against Syracuse as you talked about a little bit lost to Jacksonville State on a last second Hail Mary that probably still had some Florida State fans left scratching their heads that was a fireball
1: offense loss
0: and they again they competed well with Notre Dame they competed well with Louisville, but they got blown out of the water by Wake Forest. And I mean, look, Louisville I think is a team that's shown some signs of taking a little bit of a step forward this year under Scott Satterfield, mainly because I think they needed to. Scott Satterfield was a guy that I think entered the year quietly on a little bit of a warm seat because of just how bad that defense had been over the past couple of years. But this is still not a great start for Florida State. Uh, but the thing is, is they come in with a really talented running game, and last year they ran for 241 yards in Tallahassee against the Tar Heels. You've got Jay Sean Corbin. You should remember that name from last year. Didn't do a, a ton of damage against the Tar Heels a year ago, but remember that he also came from Texas A&M. You should probably remember that name as well from those days. And this year, having a tremendous start to the season, 504 rushing yards uh, and four touchdowns to begin the year, averaging 8.1 yards per carry. The guy that rotates in behind him, Treshawn Ward, he has 285 rushing yards on just 37 carries, which averages out to 7.7 yards per carry and two touchdowns. So the guys are very productive when they have the football in their hands. The problem is they're passing game has really, really struggled. Mackenzie Milton, 548 yards passing, which is the most on the team, but just two touchdowns to four interceptions. Jordan Travis has been a little bit more productive, 368 passing yards and six touchdowns to just five interceptions, but still a team that turns the ball over a lot. They are turnover prone, uh, and and it's a team that I think is going to rely heavily on the run game. Carolina's just got to be able to stop it this time around.
1: Yeah, Florida State's MO coming into this game is to establish the run, shorten the game, kind of like they did last year. They knew if the game – Got into a shootout, and look, it was 31-28, but a shootout in college football we consider in the high 30s to the 40s. They knew they couldn't keep up with Carolina's offense. If they can shorten the game and establish a run, it's going to make it easier. If they're rotating both quarterbacks, it doesn't matter. I remember watching Corbin in that game against Notre Dame. You would have thought he was going to be a breakout star in college football with the way he was making runs. He really finishes runs, too. It's really important for Carolina to make sure they tackle and tackle him very well. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see what's Carolina's biggest weakness historically, last ten years under Jay Bateman, stopping the run. Um, they did a really great job about that, uh, great job about that last week against Mateo Durant and Duke. But Florida State's going to run the ball a little bit differently. They're going to scheme a little bit differently. Hopefully Carolina shows up more prepared for this, more so than they did against Georgia Tech a few weeks and ago. Also
0: a better offensive line unit. They have four of the five guys back from the group that they had a year ago when they faced the Tar Heels, and they have the mobile quarterback quarterback as well, which Duke did not have. Gunnar Holmberg, his numbers would suggest that he had some mobility to him. He did not have any mobility to him, and I think you've got to give credit to Carolina, especially that defensive line. They've got to be able to do some similar things in this game against Jordan Travis, and that's the thing. If you can take away his legs, he has proved that he is a hit-or-miss quarterback. He'll make some plays sometimes. Other times, he'll throw interceptions, so I think Carolina's definitely got to put him in those situations and make it obvious it doesn't help that he only uh, so far this season only three of his receivers have over 100 yards receiving and none of them have gone over 150 yards receiving so we've been talking about some of Carolina's struggles Mm. outside of Josh Downs man Florida State is really struggling that's something you are not used to seeing with some of the receivers that they've rolled through there over the years Uh, the, the the thing about them though is is they are Uh, defensively, it's very similar to what we just talked about with Jordan Travis in the passing game. They are about as hit and miss as it gets. They lead the conference in tackles for loss and sacks. But as I mentioned, they're allowing 31.4 points per game and over 400 yards of total offense. So if they can get to you, which Carolina hasn't done a great job of protecting Sam Howell so far this year – Uh, then they're going to be able to affect your offense and slow you down. Jermaine Johnson's the guy you got to watch out for. 38 total tackles on the season, 7.5 tackles for loss, and and 5.5 sacks. The guy on the back end of that defense, Carolina, of course, had turnover issues last year against them. This year, Asante Samuel Jr., not there. A couple other guys from that secondary, uh, Hamza Najaldean, not there anymore. But you've got a guy like Travis Jay, who's off to a pretty solid start to this season, already has two interceptions interceptions and three pass deflections for them in that defensive backfield so this is going to be a stiff test Florida State's a team that's going to get after the quarterback Carolina I think this is something we talked about on the recap podcast uh, of the Duke game just a couple of nights ago this is crucial for Carolina to scheme against this because Florida State is going to be able to get after you. You know that. This is not the team that you're going to be able to gain your feet against unless you just so you have some guys that you rotate in and they are just simply spectacular. Carolina needs to be able to get the ball out quickly and – avoid taking some of these unnecessary sacks and tackles for loss
1: yeah we mentioned using a mobile pocket quick screen you know quick passing game getting screens of on the offense to slide to try and slow down the the pass rush and that really applies to this Florida State defensive front because they've got dudes and they have no problem getting in the backfield and living in your backfield and they have the ability even though they're giving up 31 points per game, and now, granted, they've faced, you know, Wake Forest has got a pretty good offense. Louisville's got a pretty good offense. They've faced some pretty good offenses. They have the potential to make it to make life hard on you, um, and put you and in, in, in down in dense, uh, down in distance situations. So this is why it's really important for Carolina. If you see someone struggling, you can't hesitate to rotate guys in. You don't want to let them establish the line of scrimmage and, and make it known that they're going to dominate you up front in the trenches because as you saw last year, they, it was a long night for Sam Howell. They got to Sam Howell. He looked a little rattled at times. They can do that again, even though this game will be in Keenan Stadium. So, interesting to see how Phil Longo does attack this defense because they are liable to give up points and yards, but you got to scheme around that pass rush.
0: So, when we come back, guys, it will be our keys to the game. We'll give you our official predictions and then get out of here with some closing notes. Make sure you come back. Uh, but right now, we're going to let you hear from one of our sponsors with the pitch Big Skin Podcast Network. We'll be back to the Heel Tough Vlog podcast after this message from DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, has a Week Five offer every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just one dollar on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. God's the last 0-0 tie in the NFL was back in 1943, so this is a no-brainer. If sportsbooks aren't available in your state just yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers. All right. We hope you guys are taking advantage of all that stuff over there uh, at DraftKings. The NFL season is off to an exciting start. Some Tar starting to play a little bit uh, bigger roles. Javante Williams had uh, one of the best runs of the entire weekend this past week where he dragged about four, five Baltimore defenders with them. Unfortunately, his team couldn't really help him out they in that one. Dragged. Hope you didn't really bet You, you didn't bet on that game. Uh, Michael Carter's trying to help the Jets to be able to cover some of these games. I don't know how many they're actually going to win. Um, and Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> he's helping you uh, if, if you're into some of the prop bets or whatever. He saw some action for a Buffalo team that is just blowing teams out of the water right now. Don't know if that's going to keep up for Buffalo. Uh, and they do have a big game coming up this weekend against Kansas City, I would stay away from that. Not a betting guy. That's a tough line to bet against with those two teams, but it should be a very exciting game.
1: Unless the bet is how many picks will Mitch, will Mitch Trubisky throw in Kansas City if he sees action, because he's going to give you at least two.
0: Oh my god, you hater. You hater. He's going to give you zero because he's going to be holding the clipboard. Hopefully. On the side pod. He will not be seeing action, uh, something tells me in that game against Kansas City, but uh, we appreciate uh, you know the Pigskin Podcast Network uh, being a part of them here for the last uh, a couple of months here now and uh yeah yeah whatever i've already thanked you multiple times on the podcast um we do oh by the way we have a cl- we, I did not mention this before we went to break. We have a controversy that we have to settle in the closing notes. This nice. will be a separate thing that we'll have to settle here, okay. uh, and it comes with it, your NFL team. we got we, we got to settle that here. Some people not too happy about the uh, choice of NFL team that you choose to represent on this said podcast. But uh, let's get into the keys to the game for Carolina in this game against Florida State. You know, the first thing that I put here – you've got to win the battle up front defensively. That was such a huge difference for Carolina on Saturday against Duke, and you saw it even early on in the game against Georgia Tech. Carolina's offense wasn't able to keep up, and that eventually led to that defense kind of getting worn down late in that game, but when Carolina has won up front defensively, that's when this defense has been at its best. That's usually just basics of defense, but Carolina really starting to see some of these guys progress, and I'm starting to feel pretty confident that Carolina can start to win some more of these battles up front because you're starting to see the evolution of guys like Miles Murphy and Kamen Rucker.
1: It's going to be interesting to see with Carolina how, if, if, if it stays, because unless you, you get this into a three-possession game early, Florida State is going to run the football. And they're not going to be bashful if they're down 10, even 14 points in the first half and even in the third quarter. They're they're going to run the football at you. Does Carolina keep up? Last week, because they got up to a pretty big uh, of a margin, you took Duke out of the running game, you put the game in Gunnar Holmberg's hand, which is the goal. That should be the same goal this week. So if Carolina can bring that same defensive intensity, force some turnovers, whether get a, 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 a mm-hmm. defensive score or not, force some turnovers, get some three and outs, let the offense, if they got to settle into the flow of the game, build the the margin up, put this game in McKenzie Milton and Jordan Travis' hands with their arms because they've proven that they can't beat teams with their arms. They can beat you with their legs. Right. Um, and so it's so, to be interesting to see what's Carolina's mindset. Are they able to stay fresh for 60 minutes if it's a close game and Florida State keeps running the rock right at them?
0: Yeah, I, another one that I had on here, you touched on it there really quickly, was win the turnover battle. Yeah, This is a team in Florida State that is turnover-prone. Did, that is one thing that, if anything, if, if you're still looking at this tutorial defense and saying, man, they haven't really taken the step forward that we were hoping, this team has created turnovers this year at a pretty high rate. And that's one thing that you've got to be encouraged about. I think they've got to do that in this game. Find a way to get one or two turnovers I think there's definitely a pick out there in this game uh, against this Florida State team that has already nine on the season but I think the biggest thing for Carolina when it comes to this they have got to keep the turnovers on their side of the football down I think they, they they have to actually probably not turn the football over to win this game you look at the two games that they've lost this season I think even if they limited it to one, maybe even two, they have a chance to win those games. In this game, you've got to make sure that those turnover problems don't pop up again or else you could be in for a long night.
1: Yeah, the best recipe to get upset at home is to not be able to stop the run and commit costly turnovers. Um, And look, with Florida State's pressure, there might be a couple times where Sam's going to want to think to throw the football away. This, this isn't a bad week if you got to take a sack or two to just take the sack and live to play another down. That way you're not trying to make a play like you did at Virginia Tech where you're getting tackled to the ground. You try to get the ball out of bounds, and ultimately it's an interception. So if Carolina can force some turnovers on, the, uh, on their own end, and as you have mentioned, they done a much better job this year in doing that Definitely. because they're getting more consistent pressure up front with their pass rush, then it's going to make it easier because McKenzie, Milton, and Travis, they're liable to throw interceptions. They've thrown nine of them combined this season. Sam Howell at home usually protects the football a little bit better. So hopefully that goes to favor of the Tar Heels. And if so, it's going to be hard to beat this team.
0: Yeah, another key, the last key that I put on here, and I mean, I don't know how I, I don't know how much you're going to be able to do with this one. You've got to limit the pressure on Sam Howell. And look, this is definitely on the offensive line in, in, in a big part. Uh, but I think this is – also, this is on the shoulders of Phil Longo. You've got to be able to game plan to get the football out of your quarterback's hands quickly. You've done it to Josh Downs. Let's see it get out to the other receivers quickly as well. I understand that you still have to take some of those deep shots. You still have to try to find some of those shots down the field. You have to do that. But you, you've you got to be able to get the ball out quickly. I think especially early on like you did in The game against Virginia, we saw them get it out early. It allowed that offense to get into a rhythm. I want to see them do that in this game and take some of the pressure early on off of Sam Howell because I think, look, the pressure in those two losses was constant throughout the night, but it was very evident early on that it was going to be an issue in those games. You didn't really see it as an early issue in the three games that they won. I mean, they had the sack that they let up on the first drive against Duke, but after that, Sam Howe was able to settle in a little bit. It felt like with Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, he was under pressure from the word go and there was never a time in that first half where he could get settled and get his feet set. He's got to be able to do that out of the gate in this game and get it going by getting that short passing game rolling.
1: Yeah, one of the best ways for that to happen is to uh, to be able to establish the run. that already puts the defensive line back on its heels because so they don't know if you're going to run the football. If you're going to throw it, it's kind of weird that we're talking about limiting the pressure on Sam when I said don't be afraid to take a sack or two. But you're right. He can't mm-hmm. be on the ground 10, 12, 15 times in this game. It's not a recipe for success. So hopefully we utilize a mobile pocket, a more quick passing game, whether it is to Josh Downs, try to get Emory Simmons, Choffrey Brown, those guys on slant routes, get them some confidence that they can catch the football and make plays after the catch because if not, this defensive line you feel like will be able to win uh, its fair share of battles against our offensive line and that that doesn't bode well uh, for this game and it would allow Florida State to to potentially hang around a lot longer than a team of their caliber should. So, be interesting to see what the changes and stuff up front how Carolina can handle that defensive line.
0: So let's take a look at our official predictions. We'll hand them out for this game. You know, I think Carolina comes into this game as a, as a heavy favorite. Uh, I still think that this is one of those games, though, where Mack Brown has struggled historically against this team so it could be close early on. But this is a Florida State team that is really, really struggling right now, especially offensively. It feels like Carolina's defense is in a pretty solid spot. I know that they, they let up 45 to Georgia Tech. They fell apart a little bit late, but they did some good things early on in that game. And I think in, that, in, in the game against Duke, and you could say that, look, Duke is really not that good of a football team. I do think that, especially on the defensive line, there were some things to be encouraged about. I think you'll see some of those things once again. I definitely think Florida State will be a little bit of a stiffer test just because of the talent that they have uh, than what we saw this past weekend against Duke. But I like Carolina to win this game. I've got them winning. Uh, Uh, This one, 31-17.
1: Florida State's going to come in. They're going to play inspired um, because Mike Norvell knows how important this game is. They also know the stigma that Carolina has against Florida State. And if we lose this game, this will be more of a culture loss, more than anything about whether it was X's and O's and whatnot. Um, Florida State has a lot more talent than Duke did last week. But I don't think they've got what Carolina has. I don't think they're as driven because Carolina still has a lot in front of them that they can accomplish. Florida State, you're trying to make a bowl game. Mike Norvell's coaching for his job. Carolina, as much as it's been a rough start to the season, there's still a chance they can make the ACC uh, title game and make a New Year's Six bowl game if they take care of business against Florida State. I think they will do that in a... Comfortable 31 to 20 win over the Knowles.
0: How about that? All right, so pretty close once again. Uh, let's turn take a look at our closing notes. Uh, Bobby Bowden will be honored on Saturday. They already have the mural that they're putting up uh, in the end zone wall next to the area where the Florida State supporters will be at.
1: That is that is the coolest thing I think Mac Brown has done since he became the head coach.
0: And it makes sense. Look, Mac Brown. He had a couple of stories that he told on Monday. He had a couple of stories that he told today about Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden was a guy that he was very, very close with, uh, of course, in his time covering uh, or, or being a head coach. Uh, of course, he was a grad assistant uh, at Florida State. Um, so, I, I mean, look, he, he's talked with Bobby Bowden many times. He told stories of uh, Bobby Bowden when he was first at Carolina, first year uh, when he met him in 1988. Bobby Bowden told him, you're doing a great job of setting expectations low because you're off to an 0-7 start. <laughs> He came back the next year, was off to a similar start. Bobby Bowden said, well, son, it's about time you start winning because they're going to start demanding it. You're – setting the bar a little bit too low and of course Mack Brown became arguably in the last couple of seasons the biggest challenger to Bobby Bowden in the Seminoles in the ACC. The only issue was that was just a an unbelievably dominant era uh, and Bobby Bowden truly is one of those coaches. I mean we talk about some of the greatest coaches in college football history. He's up there. He is right near the top uh, and he of course passed away earlier this summer. It's great to see that Carolina is going to honor him uh, on Saturday and yeah that really cool for them to paint that up there right next to the section where most most Florida State fans will be sitting so I uh, really think that's a great thing that Carolina is going to do this Saturday uh, of course you know it big names are going to be there once again on the recruiting trail the biggest name that is going to be there 2023 uh, I, I believe he's still a four-star safety it, it's fluid especially with the 2023 class right now but definitely a guy ranked inside of the top 50 prospects in the class Caleb Downs uh, he will be visiting campus uh, for this game and of course he is the brother of current Torrio wide receiver and breakout player in all of college football Josh Downs he will be in attendance to watch his brother, and of course, uh, take in Keenan Stadium and everything uh, that surrounds the Toreros. Torials one of the teams that uh, currently are in a pretty good position early on in his recruitment. Although Clemson, Georgia, a couple of those other teams, getting off to good early starts as well. Uh, speaking of earlier starts, at least than normal, or at least than I think most of us thought this game was ultimately going to end up being the Toreros' game for October 16th against Miami is set for. 3.30. That was set on Monday. Unfortunately, once again, the station for the game is not set just yet. It's going to be either ESPN, ESPN2, or the ACC Network, and uh, we will, of course, let you guys know as soon as we get that information. The game against Florida State, it is going to be a 3.30 kick. What What channel? I am blanking on that. Is it ESPN, I believe? Yes. For this week. So ESPN uh, this week for the game against Florida State. If you guys are watching at home, of course, if you are going to Keenan Stadium, uh, you guys uh, will be in attendance. Uh, Mack Brown said he does want fans to be in attendance 20 minutes before kickoff for this game. I believe they may be doing something for Bobby Bowden before the game. That's probably why. Um, But... You know, Carolina uh, still hoping for another really, really good environment. And uh, I I do have to say this before we get on to the real controversy that's going on in this podcast. I was very impressed with the fan base on Saturday. I thought that was going to be a lackluster crowd. I thought that would be very similar to some of the crowds that we saw even during the 2015 season uh, when Carolina was good, but fans were still very hesitant to show up. Uh, That stadium was... I would say probably 85 to 90% full for a game coming off a loss against Georgia Tech that pretty much uh, ended the expectations that most people had for the season, which was for Carolina uh, to run away with the Coastal and to, uh, you know, potentially be a team that finishes the regular season with one loss, could be in the hunt, uh, you know, for the college football playoff at the end of the year. All those expectations were out the window, and fans still showed up, did a really good job, and I think that's something that. It is encouraging to see. I, see. I think that's a sign that some people are still believing, with the, especially with the recruits that are coming up and with Mac Brown in place, that Carolina can still get to where they want to go. It's maybe just a little bit behind the schedule that they were trying to accelerate, and I was trying to accelerate yes. over uh, this offseason. So um, now let's get to the real controversy on this show. We had a couple of comments from some listeners the other day. Some of them were supportive. Uh, Our guy Mitchell Jones, supportive of your choice uh, to wear your Cowboys gear. But other people not quite as supportive. You said that this is something that people should expect going forward. I think a dress code should maybe be put in place. I'm not really sure, though. I think that we need to leave this up to the listeners as to whether or not they believe that you should be allowed to wear cowboy gear on the podcast. Look,
1: it has no disrespect to the Heel Tough blog, the faithful listeners, the Tar Heel fan base. I'm a rabid Dallas Cowboy fan, um, and so... On Sundays, my day is planned around watching the Cowboys play. Like on Saturday, it's about the Tar Heels. So if they win, I just naturally wear my Dallas stuff the Monday after to work and out and about to just honor and celebrate because that's what Cowboy fans do. It's why to, we're to,
0: to, wait a sec to honor. Yeah, oh, it, it is a privilege Quit and an a dra- honor Come
1: on, to be a Dallas Cowboy fan. Yeah, oh, we're sure three sure. and one. We're the best team in the NFC East. That's not saying much. They, they might be the best team in the NFC. Oh, you know. So look. Wow, it, it's, that's it's, bold. That's it, bold. It, it's not. It's nothing personal. As long as the Cowboys win, I will wear my cowboy stuff. The best way for me to not wear my cowboy stuff is to beat us, and I don't see many teams the rest of the way
0: doing. that. Okay, so definitely by early January, we definitely expect that you will not be wearing cowboy gear. Anymore. February, sure. I don't. I don't see that. I don't see. Something tells me that the Cowboys have had a little bit of struggles when it's come to the and playoffs. And if, if, if they win the Super Bowl. I might wear... If they win the Super Bowl, I'm
1: getting a new co-host.
0: <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I, 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 just,
1: can't, I can't take that. Uh, it's going to go one or two ways. Either I will, A, wear no clothing, or B, wear now, nothing but cowboy clothing.
0: Now, I, I'm telling you, at that rate, look, Cowboys win the Super Bowl. Anybody that's watching, please submit a resume. We will be looking very seriously for a new co-host on this show because I don't think that we can handle how bad I'm Josh on this show. I don't think this show can handle that. But How about him, Josh. Uh, like that. My goodness. Uh, but hey, here's the thing: you've had former Toriels that have played for you before. Ryan Switzer, Jesse Holly had some time there, and of course, the guy that had probably the most extensive career with them and had a lot of success. Also, Gerald Sensabaugh was there as well. I forgot yeah. about Gerald. Uh, Greg Ellis, Greg also Ellis, a legendary Tar Bruce Heel Carter. Player.
1: Bruce Carter, yeah, Bruce the, Carter. The, 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 the formerly renounced uh, Robert Quinn
0: wore the star for uh, a, a <laughs> Who hasn't Robert Quinn played you for know, a short lead? period of time? There you go. Um, so you do have some Tar Heel connections. I'm trying to help you out with that. I don't need any help. We're going to put up a poll – on our social medias. We will actually put a poll in this video on Facebook. Tell us, and we're going to check this, and we'll, we'll recap next week. Tell us if you believe that he should be allowed to wear his Dallas Cowboys gear, or how about, th- this is the thing, you can wear it to the station. Because now, if you, if you hadn't heard, and we should congratulate you. You did get a job at WFNZ in Charlotte. It was a tough screening.
1: Uh, it took a lot of hard work. I nailed the interview. <clears throat> You're welcome. Um, nailed all the training. Uh, reports are coming out that no trainee in the history of the station got trained as quickly as I did. Um, yeah,
0: but I'm hearing those, those reports are false. Uh, due to somebody that came just slightly before him, may also be a feature on this podcast. I don't know. I, I mean, um, but, yeah, congratulations on that. I think, look, you could wear the stuff there, and then you bring a change of clothes for the podcast. No. So you have the Tar Heel gear on. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I think, I don't know. We'd have to go back and check the tape. I think there is potential that you have worn Cowboys gear and the Torials of lost games, which could, again, I like, like I always like, like I like to say, quoting the great Michael Scott, I'm not, I'm not superstitious. I'm a little, stitious. I'm a little stitious. I'm gonna have to go back and review the tape. We're putting the poll up. Make sure you guys vote on that. We want to hear what your opinion is. Should this guy be able to wear uh, Cowboys gear? on the show, or is he just a giant shot. We'll find that out next week. I can't uh, confirm
1: the I am a giant That tchotch. is
0: true. That is true. So, That uh, wraps it up for this edition of the podcast, guys. We are going to have you covered for everything Florida State. We're going to have the preview for you guys. That will be up on the website uh, just 24 hours before kickoff on Friday. Uh, So check the website right around 3.30. We'll get that up for you guys so you guys can read everything you need to know about the Knowles and the Tar Heels. Uh, It's going to be an in-depth breakdown a little bit more even than what we've done here. Uh, So you guys will get uh, team breakdowns for both teams. Uh, We'll look at the Tar Heels, what they've done so far this year. We'll give you a look uh even more in depth at Florida State. We'll also do team stack comparisons, see how the Tar Heels stack up against them. We'll also have the injury report, uh projected starting lineups, all that great stuff for you guys. So make sure you check that out. After the game's over, we'll have the recap takeaways from the pot from from the podcast takeaways from the game, uh as well as uh Josh will give you the trench report, take a look at the most important area of this Tar Heel team this season. Uh and then of course we will uh circle around finish off the week with a look at the stock report to tell you who's trending up and who's trending down as we head towards the game the next week against Miami believe it or not guys also next week mid mid mid-season grades yeah can you believe they are six games in already after this weekend I can't uh, and we'll go back we'll review uh, the first half of the season we'll give grades out to each unit and uh, you know then after that Carolina will enter that back half of the schedule and as we mentioned uh, it is going to get much tougher and we'll have you covered through that stretch as well as we'll have you covered on the hardwood Carolina first year under head coach Huber Davis guys next Friday is late night with Hubie. Whatever they're going to call that. We have have no idea. But we are planning to be in attendance. And then after that, it is three weeks and then Carolina plays a game. Yeah, they Unbelievable. They'll, of course, tip off in the Smith Center against Loyola of Maryland. And uh, we're going to have you covered throughout the entire season. Josh is going to be grinding on that. We'll be doing a bunch of podcasts. Some of them are going to be on Zoom, so my camera quality will probably be crappy, although I am going to try to upgrade that camera quality before the start of the season. Um, But I just an extremely exciting year coming up. And if you guys didn't listen to the latest edition of the Four Corners podcast, you better go and do that because there are two, I'm going to tell you, go to about, Listen to the rest of the podcast, but go to about the final like five or six minutes of the podcast. There are two unbelievably bold predictions in there (laughs) that you guys are just going to love about this season. We're not even to the bold predictions portion (laughs) of the preseason, and this dude's rolling them out. Uh, It's going to be an exciting year. Josh thinks it's going to be a very exciting year, to say the least. So make sure that you guys go and check all of that out. Uh, Both of the podcasts, the Heel Tough blog podcast, and the Four Corners podcast podcast or an on- any major podcasting platforms Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts Spotify, iHeartRadio TuneIn, all those major apps make sure you check it out and when you do go ahead and subscribe for us because then it goes right into your podcast library so whenever a new edition of the podcast pop up it'll go straight into that podcast library, it'll be downloaded for you and it'll be right there ready for you to play you can also go over to the Facebook page and check out the video editions of the podcast which some of you are watching right now, we appreciate those people that have been watching with us. It's been a fun season so far. We're going to continue those, hopefully even during the off season, but we'll have to see, especially with basketball season when it starts getting ramped up, what the schedule looks like. Um, but We are planning to still do those in the off season for you guys and we're glad that you're along with us here on Facebook. Make sure that you like and follow the Facebook page if you are watching this from one of the groups. Uh, That will get you all the access to all of the great content that we just talked about. All the video editions, all the audio editions of the podcast and then of course all those articles that will all be in one location. They'll all appear on your timeline and you'll even get notifications when we're going live or when we're premiering a video. So uh, there's all sorts of great features Features for you guys when you hit that like button on that Facebook page, and then over on the Twitter side of things, make sure you're following us at HeelToughBlog on the Twitter, and then of course check our personal accounts out. Uh, it is going to be me at HTB Anthony, Josh at HTB Josh, and then. Uh, our recruiting guy Zach Hubbard who may be needed here sooner rather than later Uh, just take that for what you will Uh, he is at hackzubbard2 on Twitter so that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast want to thank Josh for hosting with me want to thank you guys for watching and listening and as always go Tar Heels!